This is the Food Factor Podcast, the show that talks about the connection between your health and what you eat or don't eat. I'm your host, Stephanie Mahachek, clinical nutritionist, health coach, science nerd, perma student, and mother of four. I love dogs, babies, and most of all, talking about all things health, wellness, and the weirdness of the human body. Thank you for being here. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Food Factor Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Mahachek, and I am sounding a little bit different today. I apologize. I know this is going to be kind of annoying to listen to, but we in my house have been battling with some sort of virus that just won't die. It won't go away. I'm not sure where it was unearthed from, but... It is a, it's a doozy. So I'm a little bit congested. I actually wasn't going to record. I was going to take my dog for a walk instead, but then it started pouring rain. So message received universe. I will record this episode. I promise I'll keep it rather short because it's probably annoying to listen to a stuffed up nose. But today I wanted to address a couple of questions that I always, always receive and, and maybe not so, many, so much of a question. It's actually more of kind of like an assumption, I think. And I wanted to talk about what a day or what kind of a week looks like in my house. I get asked a lot, how do you eat? What do you have for breakfast? What is your dinners like? Do you meal plan? What do you take for supplements? I get these questions all the time because I think people are curious what other people are doing, but they especially want to know what somebody in the health and wellness industry is doing for their health. So I'm going to break it down a little bit as far as like what a typical day or what a kind of a typical week will look like. If it's helpful for you, great. But I don't want it to be something that you feel like you need to do things the way that I do or the way that my family does to be successful, because that's not the case. I hope by now, after all these episodes that we've been doing about, you know, personal growth and development and finding your own goals and all that stuff, I hope you realize that what I do may not work for you and that's okay. So, but I will break it down because I know people are curious and it can be helpful. Maybe you'll pick up something that that you want to try adding in as well. But I want you to promise me that you're not going to compare and you're not going to feel bad if you're not doing something that I'm doing and all of that negative stuff. We're not doing that with this. Okay? Promise? Great. Okay, let's talk about what a typical kind of day looks like in the Mahachek household. So... I have four children. For those of you who are newer to the podcast, uh, my kids are um, ages between the ages of four and 11 right now. So they're they're busy. We're busy. Mornings are chaos. I mean, if anyone has beautiful morning routine advice, please send it my way because it's a crapshoot in our house most of the time. But what nutrition looks like Uh, is the kids will wake up and have something. Usually each kid wants something different, of course. Sometimes I'm making oatmeal. Sometimes um, they're having cereal. Sometimes they're having toast. And the most genius thing is teaching my eight-year-old how to make scrambled eggs because she will make scrambled eggs for everybody. And it takes one less thing off my plate. So if there are some little tasks like that that you could teach your kids to do to help yourself out in the morning, I highly suggest that because it's been wonderful for her to make scrambled eggs for her, sometimes me, sometimes her brothers, sometimes her sisters. So it's been awesome. So they might have scrambled eggs, but usually that's what it looks like in the morning. And the kids also like to have protein shakes. So occasionally my husband will make one. Occasionally I'll have one in the morning. 
Um, so the kids have grown to call them shaky shakies because we shake it in the shaker bottle. Um, but they sometimes will like that too. So if I realize that they're not really having much protein in the morning, like if they're just having cereal or something like that, um, I'll offer them a little cup of a protein shake as well, because I want to make sure that they're getting some protein in there. If they're having eggs, then I probably wouldn't unless they ask for it. But you know, kind of, that's kind of the focus is to make sure that they're getting some sort of protein in the morning. So they also are in public school. So they, um, will, we decide each day, are you going to have school lunch or are you going to have lunch from home? And I've, I've kind of gotten some interesting feedback. Not that I, not that I really care what people think, but I've gotten some interesting kind of feedback of, oh, you, you let your kids eat school lunch. Yes, I do. And here's why, because I'm teaching them balance. I'm teaching them how to make healthy food choices, no matter where they're at. So we look at the menu. Each Sunday, their teachers send out what the lunch menu is for the upcoming week, and I write it on a calendar. I have a big whiteboard calendar in the kitchen that I write lunches, and I write it out each day of the week so that they know. They wake up, they look, they say, what's the lunch choices today? Oh, it's this, this, this. I don't like any of those. I'm making lunch from home. Or we'll talk about some that there, there are a few, I try not to like put restrictions on their lunches, but there are a few from the school lunch that I'm like, absolutely not. You're not having that for lunch. There's this one that is like three servings of dairy and a fruit. And I'm like, nope, that's ridiculous. So anyways, um, so we'll make, I help them make some of those choices, but, but I want the choices to, to be from them. And a lot of times they choose to have lunch from home, but now they are making it themselves. For the most part, my six-year-old, she's still hit or miss with that. My eight-year-old's making her own lunch. My 11-year-old's usually making her own lunch. Uh, if, unless she's running late, then I'm making it. But but then if you teach your kids the components of a healthy lunch, they know how to do it themselves. And again, one less thing off my plate. Um, but they usually will have like a sandwich or um, like they'll make some homemade Lunchables where it's just like the good quality deli meat and some cheese and some veggies and maybe some crackers and, and a fruit in there or something like that. So those are usually like the components of everyone's lunch is some sort of protein, some sort of fruit, some sort of vegetable, maybe like a cheese stick or a yogurt tube. Um, however, right now we've been kind of limiting some of that just because there's this virus going around and the immune system is kind of hindered by dairy sometimes. Um, dairy produces mucus and that's not what we need right now. So uh, so we've been kind of limiting that, but that's kind of the components. They get to pick. And if it's a day where they do like what's being served at school, like this morning, they're having baked chicken nuggets. Um, again, not my favorite, probably not the highest quality. It's an improvement, but it's probably not the highest quality chicken nuggets for them to have. But their choice is to have it and they know that they will always have at least one serving of vegetables with that. They always will pick a vegetable to go with that because that's part of their meal. That's just part of their normal. That's what we have decided on. That's what they do. Again, is it the highest quality meat? Probably not, but it's one meal. And when they come home, I have more control over the quality of the food that they have. But the majority of the meals that they have are at home. The two out of the three meals and more of the snacks are going to be at home. So having one lunch at school is not going to completely derail their health. Now, as far as my lunch, I'm not a big lunch person. It's just not, it's never been something that I've been a big fan of. I'm just not that hungry during the middle part of the day. And again, 
teaching your kids and teaching yourself how to eat best for your body and what your body needs, listen to it. If you're not a big lunch person, if you're not a big breakfast person, if you're not a big dinner person, that's okay. Find the things that work for you. So for me, I might make a smoothie. I usually make a smoothie, actually. Um, and, and when I say smoothie, I don't just mean like, oh, I just throw out a little bit of fruit in a blender and call it good. No, if that's going to be a replacement meal, if that is a time where I have it carved out in my day to get a good amount of nutrients in, then you really need to make sure that that smoothie is balanced. And I do, and I usually make a, a smoothie depending on what I have going on. Like yesterday, because of this virus, I put a lot of different ingredients than I normally do in, but I kind of made it to accommodate what my body needs today. So that's the things that you can do when you know the components of making a balanced smoothie and not just throwing fruit in a blender and adding some milk or water. When you know the components of a smoothie, you can really make it therapeutic. And that's exactly what I did yesterday. And I, I do feel better today. I don't know if it's because of the smoothie, but, uh, but that's the point is that you can make it how your body needs it for that day. Um, and if you have questions on that, I do have that ultimate smoothie guide. I'll link it in the show notes, but it talks about the components to get so that you know each component that makes it a balanced smoothie and makes it sustainable and, and hearty. Um, but then you can always pepper in the things that you need based on what you have going on. If you need um, muscle recovery because you just did a hard workout, there's certain things to add. If you need um, immune support like I do right now, then there's you know certain things that you can add. But but the, the basic components are there. And honestly, I taught my kids how to do this. It's not hard. You can teach your kids how to do that. In fact, I am teaching kids how to do that in the in a um, ultimate smoothie workshop that I have coming up for homeschoolers. Um, so I'll put that below if you happen to be in the area and you're a homeschooler and you want to have your kids learn the basics of making a smoothie, um, then come come attend that workshop. It's going to be a blast. Um, but I'll also put the ultimate smoothie guide uh, in the show notes as well. So if you just want to learn how to make a smoothie balanced and make it uh, useful for your body, then check out that guide. So I'll usually have a smoothie for, for lunch. Um, I might have some sort of like nuts or seeds as far as snacks go, sometimes a trail mix, something like that during the day as well. And then depending on the season, um, there's some great fruits out now. I love those like little mini oranges or really good Honeycrisp apples, um, you know, things like that to kind of snack on as well. And the kids also snack on those too. They'll bring a little mini orange to school or they'll have one when they get home. They'll cut up apples when they get home. Um, so that's kind of some of the, the go-to healthier snacks. Now there's also those little cups. I don't know if you guys have seen this or if you guys shop at Costco or whatever, um, but those little hummus cups, um, are wonderful. They are, or, I mean, you don't have to get the little cups. You can get like a big thing of hummus too, but I prefer the little cups cause I can just grab one and throw it in a lunchbox or grab it and have it somewhere else or whatever. But but having hummus with either like the pretzel thins or um, cut up vegetables, because I usually try to, to cut up a bunch of bell peppers and cucumbers for the week. Um, so having just a handful of those with, with some, a hummus cup or some carrot sticks or whatever, that's a great go-to snack as well, because it's, it's good quality protein, it's good quality healthy fats, it's of course the fiber and everything from the uh, veggies, so that's always something to that, that's a quick grab and go as, as in our house too. Now, dinner times are, um, they, currently they're a little chaotic. You know, again, four kids, all four kids play a sport. So even the, even the youngest, he plays t-ball once a week. Um, so dinner times are based around soccer schedules in our house. 
So there's one day a week that we don't have anything. And that is a day that we might take a little bit more time and make like a, a bigger meal. Um, but the other days of the week, every Sunday I sit down and again, not only am I writing down the lunch choices for school, but I also write down the dinner choices that were not dinner choices, but the dinners that we're going to have that week. Because as a mom, I am so tired of having four children come up to me every day. What's for dinner? What are we having for dinner? What's for dinner? Hey, what are we having for dinner? What's for dinner? So I wrote it down because I'm tired. I just point to the board. Um, so now they they know kind of what to expect and what's coming. And because I write it down on a Sunday, I get all the stuff on Sunday. So I have the grocery shopping done and all the components of the needed meals and everything are already in the house during that week. Sometimes we'll shift around the days. If we're like, oh, I just do not feel like, you know, quesadillas or whatever tonight. I'm going to move that to Thursday and put Thursdays today, whatever. We can shift that around. But at least all the components of the meals that we need are at the house and we have that flexibility to do that. So a typical dinner is always going to have some sort of protein, whether it's plant-based protein or whether it's an animal source protein. Um, and then we always have at least one veggie. I try, I'm trying to merge two in for the, to, for that to be the normal. Um, some days we have two veggies, some days we have one, but there's always at least one with it. And then sometimes we'll have some sort of grain. Um, my kids, some of the kids don't really like grains. They don't, some don't choose to have rice or some don't really want to have bread or whatever. And so we don't push that. So we might have a starchier vegetable like a potato or a corn instead, just to get a second vegetable in that provides some carbohydrates in there. And then usually, as far as drinks go, usually the kids will have water with most meals, although um, some, sometimes they'll have almond milk. Uh, we don't do a lot of cow milk in our house, but um, the almond milk is usually one that at least one kid will have with dinner as well. Um, now, as far as like throughout the course of the week, there is one magical, magical day that I call No Cook Friday. And No Cook Friday is exactly what it is. It's, I do not cook on Fridays. We'll either, we usually it's pizza night. So we'll either order pizza or sometimes we'll make it. So again, it's, I guess it's not cook Friday, but, um, but it's easy to make a pizza real quick. Um, so we'll do that. And then Saturdays and Sundays are wonderful because I actually have a spouse who likes to cook. <laughs> so he, he doesn't get home in time to make dinners before like practices and stuff like that. So on the weekends, he tries to take over and cook because he likes to be creative and find new recipes and try out new things and all of that. So um, that's typically how my weekends or our week looks. And again, usually the dinners are going to have some sort of protein component. They're definitely going to have vegetables in there. And sometimes there's a grain uh, depending on what it is, um, but that's usually what it looks like. So also each night, most nights I should say, the kids will have some sort of after dinner snack, whether you want to call it a dessert, whether you want to call it an after dinner snack, whatever. Um, but the kids get to pick. So if it is, well, I shouldn't say they always get to pick. If they didn't eat a lot of their dinner, or if they, if I know that it's been a day where maybe it's just been an off day, they haven't had a lot of vegetables, haven't had a lot of like nutrients for some reason, then I will offer <laughs> suggestions on their choices. So the kids really like when we slice up apples really thin and we make apple nachos. And you just slice up apples super thin, you melt some peanut butter, uh, maybe some dark chocolate over it, and you drizzle it over there. Sometimes I've seen people put granola and stuff on there. We don't do that, but sometimes people can do that. Um, but they just sit with a plate of apple nachos and eat that. And it's a healthier snack that has a little bit more nutrients in there that I know that their bodies need. Um, but it's sustainable too, because remember, your blood sugar is going to spike 
after you eat something, especially after you eat something sugary. So if you have kids or if you're, you yourself wake up in the middle of the night a lot, take a look at the last couple of t- things that they eat or that you eat before bed. If it's sugary stuff, if it's really high carbohydrate stuff right before bed, that can cause a spike and a crash in your blood sugar. And that can cause you to wake up in a couple of hours or in the middle of the night after you fall asleep. So if you are having some sleep issues, pay attention to that. Um, there, there a lot of times can be a difference if you add some sort of protein source with the sugary stuff or the carbohydrates, then uh, a lot of times that can balance out your blood sugar enough where you, you may not wake up as much in the middle of the night. So something to think about. Um, but that's a typical kind of day or typical kind of week. And the other question I get asked a lot is what kind of supplements do you take? I, I think I shocked somebody when they're like, oh, so which probiotic do you take? And I was like, none. And they're like, what? Um, because I am under, I follow the guide that supplements are are useful when your body needs them. They should be a supplement to something. We try to get most of our nutrients through food. And I know there is the argument that our food is not as full of nutrients as it once was. And that is true. The, the soils are depleted. The foods just don't have as many nutrients in them. I get that. Um, however, I also believe in looking for signs of nutritional deficiencies. So if you are not, not, uh, displaying any signs of nutritional deficiencies, or if your kids aren't displaying any signs of nutritional deficiencies, you don't need a supplement. You're probably, you're, you're sufficient. (laughs) That's the whole point. So now there's obviously preventive, preventative things and, and, um, things to take, like if you aren't feeling well and, you know, I could do a whole episode on that, but, um, on a daily basis, there isn't a whole lot that we take supplement wise. Now I have started since, since, uh, we had COVID I did, I have started taking magnesium, um, zinc and B3 because of brain fog from COVID and some kind of residual side effects. I was trying to get my smell and taste back, which had helped. Um, so there's things like that. Also, if it's been a week where we haven't had a lot of fish, we try to have salmon at least one, once a week. But if it's been a week where maybe they didn't have it or we we just didn't have it, then I will take a fish oil because most of America is deficient in essential fatty acids. So we uh, I, I have started taking a fish oil as needed, not every day, but as needed on certain days if I'm not getting a lot of nuts or seeds or avocados or um, olive oils or things like that, I will take a fish oil. Also, if it's been a rainier day or like this past week where we didn't go outside much just because we were sick and not feeling well, um, I'll take a vitamin D and specifically a vitamin D with K1, K2, because that does help to absorb better. It, it, they're, they're really uh, in sync and, and help each other be absorbed. So um, that is what we'll take as far as, but again, don't go and just start taking supplements just because I'm talking about them on this podcast. If you haven't had your vitamin D levels checked lately, go and get them checked. Go, go to the doctor, get your vitamin D levels checked because if you're deficient, if you're really deficient in vitamin D, taking a thousand IUs is gonna do nothing for you. It's gonna be a waste. You need a therapeutic dose to bring your levels up to a, a, a good level and then you can take a maintenance dose like a 2000 or or a, even one, I think 1000 is too low for most people but um, but anyways so you need to know where you're starting from before you start just throwing supplements because you may not be doing it efficiently and it may just be a waste of your money one thing I want to add to that I don't know if I made clear enough is that I'm not 
against supplements. I think depending on the person, depending on the situation, depending on the health and the nutritional status, sometimes supplements are definitely necessary. I know that in in the United States, most people are chronically deficient in things like magnesium and zinc and vitamin D and essential fatty acids and sometimes even vitamin A. And depending on what symptoms somebody has or what conditions or disease somebody is developing, that would be an indicator of possible supplementation needs. Obviously, trying to get it through food sources would be my go-to number one, but sometimes if you're really deficient, that's not enough, so supplementation is necessary. Then the conversation becomes, what quality? what is the quality of the supplements that you're taking? Because there are a lot of bad quality supplements out there. So uh, especially when I'm working with somebody and they are in need of a certain type of supplement or a certain nutrient specifically, then we will definitely have that discussion about which quality uh, nutrients or which, which supplements are going to be the best quality for them. And currently, I just mentioned my supplementation practice where I'll occasionally take you know, certain things on certain days, but that can change, right? I mean, I, I am not one that thinks everyone needs the exact same supplements every single day. I don't think that's accurate. Just like you shouldn't be having the exact same foods every single day, I think you need a variety of when you take certain supplements as well. And the reason for that is there may be certain days where you're not deficient in zinc and you don't need to take a zinc supplement, or there may be certain days where you're not deficient in iron and you've gotten plenty in your diet and overdoing it can then cause imbalances in other areas and other uh, nutrients. So the key takeaway that I wanted to give you is that you need to learn how to tell based on what your diet is like and what your symptoms are, which nutrients or which supplements that you actually need on which days. For example, if you are running in a half marathon or if you're heavily training for something or if you didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, your body may be deficient in certain nutrients. So understanding when to take supplements on which days is going to be super beneficial for you. Or if your kids come home sick and you're like, oh, no, not me. I can't get sick this week. It's too busy. It's not convenient for me. I'm not doing it. So then you need to know which supplements to ramp up in your diet to help give your immune system the fighting chance it needs to clear out the cold or the virus or whatever that is brought home to you. So same like you don't want your immune system to be on high alert all the time. But if you have the basics of nutrition down and you're taking care of yourself in every other regard like sleep and stress management and fitness and all of that, then when you need a little boost in support for your immune system or your digestive system or what have you, you can supplement appropriately and accordingly to what your body needs. If you don't need to take extra vitamin C, don't. If you don't need to take extra B12, don't because it's not needed and your body's going to either get rid of it or it's going to cause an imbalance with other nutrients anyways. So I ho- I just wanted to make that clear that supplementation is is definitely a part of the conversation. It just shouldn't be one of the things that you put on autopilot thinking that it's keeping you healthy because it may not be doing everything that you intended it to do. So um, I think that was all I kind of wanted to talk about. But yeah, it is um, nothing magical. You know, I know I've seen some nutritionists and dietitians and they're like, I start my morning every day with a green juice and all this stuff. Wonderful. Great for you. That works for you. Great. For us, though, 
we live on the schedule of school and soccer and all sorts of other things and work and home life and all of that. And for us, this works. And it, and I, the whole point of me bringing up any of this is to show you that it does not have to be super extreme. You don't have to be juicing ginger every morning. You don't have to be popping 50 supplements. You don't have to be doing all these like extreme things that you see on TikTok and you see on Instagram that people are claiming that they're doing every day to be healthy. You don't have to do those. You can do just simple, basic things, but do the things that your body needs, not what my body needs. Don't do the things that an influencer on TikTok needs. You need to do the things that work for your body and that what your body needs. If your body is deficient in, say, vitamin C, and you're doing something that works for somebody because it's high in vitamin D, it's not going to do anything for your body, you know, because you're deficient in C. So that's my point is do the things that you need to do for your body and learn how to tell what your body needs and align your daily tasks and goals and things like that with what your body needs. I hope that's clear. I'm kind of in a fog. So I hope that's clear for you. I hope this was helpful to just kind of see that, yeah, I'm a clinical nutritionist and a mother of four, but it doesn't have to, I don't do anything that's super out of the ordinary. I don't, I, we really don't. It's not like we're popping specialty supplements. It's not like we're juicing and doing all these things daily. We'll, we'll definitely make some smoothies pretty frequently. Um, but other than that, it's, it's pretty normal things. We just make good choices the majority of the time. So um, sugar is not banned in our house because again, I'm teaching them balance. When you start to restrict things, even out of you know, goodness or, or with good intentions, if you start to restrict things that you think are bad for people or bad for your kids, they're going to overdo it at some point. I know I've told a story about that before in previous episodes about a child who was restricted from sugar for so long and then they finally had access to it and overdid it and threw up everywhere. So that is the thing that I'm personally trying to avoid and that I encourage my clients to try and avoid too because if you are restricted or if somebody is restricting something from you or for you on your behalf, you're going to you're not going to learn the skills that you need to develop that ability to say no to something or ability to shut off the craving or that ability to know the cause and effect of what certain things do. It's just going to be put on this pedestal and that's not what anybody wants. Also, when it comes to other lifestyle things like sleep that I'm always harping on people, the especially clients, I'm always talking about your sleep. Sleep in our household has gotten so much better in the last couple of years, um, you know, just because the kids are older and they're they're more um, able to sleep through the night and there's less interruptions and all of that. So if you're not yet in that phase, it's coming. I promise you it will get so much better if you're in the infant stage or the toddler stage or not sleeping through the night stage. I feel you so much. I had like 10 years of that. It was it was it was rough, but um, but there's there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I promise. Um, but sleep for us, our kids are usually in bed about 8.30 or so, 8.39, you know, kind of lingers, of course. But um, personally, I'm in bed by 9.30, 10, shutting off the lights, 10, 10.30, something like that. And, you know, we're getting a, a decent amount of sleep. Um, also, exercise and fitness is another pillar that I constantly talk about and how important that is. And the kids, of course, are super active. They play in the yard all the time. They are doing their sports a couple nights a week. Um, and my husband and I are currently training for a half marathon, but when we're not training for a half marathon, um, I'm outside walking the dog at least uh, once a day. 
um, most, most days of the week we're out there for at least 30 minutes or so. Um, so again, nothing super extreme. Also, I have been doing Pilates for the last year, I think. I'm approaching a year or so of doing Pilates um, once or twice a week at a studio that I absolutely love. It has made a huge difference in my core strength, my posture, my strength overall. It's it's amazing. So if you have yet to uh, try out Pilates, I encourage you to do so. But that's really it. There's no magic. It's just consistent habits around core values that I have with veggies, proteins, limiting certain uh, things, not excluding them altogether, but but that's really it. And that's, you know, you're the product of what you do on a consistent basis. So if you are not currently happy with your outcome that you're you're experiencing right now, then look at the habits, look at the consistencies in what you're doing and start addressing each and every one of those. Of course, if you need help with that, that is what I do on a daily basis. That is what I'm here to help you with. A lot of times we don't know because we have blind spots. We have those things that um, we're just so used to doing. We're on autopilot most of the day and we don't see the things that are maybe the problem or maybe the thing that's contributing to the outcome that you don't want right now. So that is what I'm here for. I'm here to help you shine a light on some of those blind spots and also get you set on a path that is sustainable and doable and not extreme for you. It doesn't have to be extreme. And I think the better that it's not extreme because the thing, like this is sustainable for my life. This is just our lifestyle. And um, when we go on vacation or when we have a holiday or yes, it gets thrown off a little bit. Do we sit there and get super upset that, oh my gosh, we had sugar today? No, because we know that, okay, well, our normal, we'll get back to normal in in a day or two. We'll get back to normal. That's fine. And then we go back to normal and it's all fine and everything levels out again. So if you want that for you, if you want a sustainable lifestyle that works for you and your family and your schedule and everything that you have going on then set up a free 20-minute consultation. Let's talk about it. Let's see if working together is going to be a right fit for for you and for me. Um, So you can set that up in the show notes, uh, the free 20-minute consultation. All right. I hope this was helpful. I hope you weren't too annoyed with the sound of my voice. I will promise I will be coming back stronger next week with my typical sounding voice, I hope. Um, but I appreciate you listening all the way to the end. And if you found this helpful, or if you know of anybody who needs to hear this or needs a refresh on their routine, send them this episode and leave a review. I would love for you to leave a review so that it helps make the show visible to those who may need it as well. All right. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Food Factor Podcast. It is my personal mission to help people make the best food choices that they can for their particular situation. So if you found this episode helpful, I would be so grateful if you would share it with a friend or a family member or somebody who needs to hear this information and also leave me a review. Those are the things that help get this podcast seen and heard by more people who could use the help as well. I really appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening.